Hello and welcome to Chick Flicks. I'm Mackenzie Chapman. And I'm Bridget Hovell. And today we are talking about two M. Night Shyamalan movies, The Visit and Sixth Sense. And The Sixth Sense. The. But first, let's catch up. <laughs> <laughs> Mackenzie, um, you have two very big, very sexy things on your, um, your list right now. Yeah, you're right. So the first thing I guess I'll talk about is Dune. I am rereading it via uh, listening to it. I've never listened to it before. And, you know, I still really love it. Um, there, I have been noticing a few <laughs> more things <laughs> that I don't love about it that mm. I probably did that when, when I was in high school and read it. Um, but it's getting me super hyped for the movie I think it'll be a good I think it'll be a good movie I'm excited for the movie um I keep watching the trailer I know I know (laughs) and it feels like now we've been waiting for it for like years and years yeah well yeah we have probably yeah yeah, I think we have it's been a while since you called out the (laughs) you called the cemetery let uh longtime listeners of the pod be reminded that I predicted Timothee's casting months maybe even a year before it was announced but but go on it it must well it must have been like right when we started the podcast yeah around then because it's in our on our website oh, yeah. which we haven't updated oh, yeah. <laughs> that's so funny um so i've been really enjoying listening to dune um there are really some really great performances by different it's like one where it has like different people voice different characters sometimes mm-hmm um, so it's been fun to listen to that and fun to like hear how the pronunciations of names and places are because, you know, when you read, you're sort of just guessing. So that's been cool. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the second thing is Succession. I finally watched it. I watched like all of it in three days or something crazy. Um, oh and I hadn't realized that it was like, a comedy, I guess. I did I didn't know like going in. I I guess I thought it would be much more I mean it's very serious too, but I just thought it would be sort of a drag. Mm. And it's definitely not. Mm-hmm. It's definitely a comedy mm-hmm. and it's kind of, you know, right up my alley in terms of comedy, which is dark comedy. Yes. Yes. <laughs> and it's so nice to watch too because it's like punching up it, like mm-hmm. they're all so fabulously rich that it's mm-hmm. like their problems aren't even real problems exactly yeah <laughs> it's like escapism right mm-hmm. yeah uh it's like um arrested development but like business class mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> like yeah um so yeah, I'm and I'm super excited for the next season. I can't wait. I'm glad that I watched it now. Yeah, Didn't have to wait. Smart for two moves. Years. Um, but yeah, very excited for that. And then the final thing I'm into, I have to look up really quick because I didn't wasn't prepared for this. <laughs> <laughs> and it's been a few weeks since I watched it. <clears throat> just need to be able to talk about it a little bit (laughs) so the final thing that i'm into is the movie sneakers from 1992 um with uh you know robert redford Mm -hmm. uh dan Aykroyd, sydney 
Cordier. Is that how you say yeah. his last name? Yeah, you got okay. it. Um, River Phoenix, uh, great cast. Wow. It's about a person that he sort of used to be a hacker, but then he goes uh, white hat, which means like you're good now. Mm-hmm. So he like go- he becomes good, and instead he like tests companies again, like to see if they're secure enough. But then his team is tasked with this like mission that involves someone from his past and it's like a nice like sort of heisty action movie that uh it's actually like really good is it secretly about friendship um and men learning to love and work together well no no (laughs) (laughs) but they i mean they do have like a good group of uh they're a good team together okay team chemistry is important yeah um it's a good yeah it's a great cast um but i don't i feel like action heisty movies from this time and Mm. even like i feel like certain legal dramas just from this time like early 90s late 80s Mm. just hit a certain chord with me where i just really enjoy them they're like it's almost like nothing bad could happen it feels like mm-hmm. I'm just like you know it's like in a it's, time it's bubble relaxing. yeah 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 so that's sneakers <laughs> what about you so I've been watching on HBO this new limited series by Mike White called White Lotus and I've seen a few critics uh like Doreen St. Felix uh call it kind of like a spiritual twin of succession I think because it is about it's a satire about like very wealthy people um, vacationing at this resort in Hawaii. And I read an interview with Mike White where he talked about moving to Hawaii after his career kind of like started kicking off. He's done, you know, like 30, uh, not 30 rock uh, (laughs) school of rock, um, the TV show enlightened um, and a bunch of other things. Uh, And he bought a house in Hawaii and he loved living there. And then he kind of became aware of all of these problems caused by people like him moving to the islands um and he kind of wanted to make a movie i mean i mean sorry a tv show about that but didn't feel like he was personally equipped to tell the story of like native indigenous hawaiians and like what they're going through so he instead decided to tell it from the perspective of like his class basically of like rich people Mm -hmm. um so it's it has all these different families who are at this resort and they all are kind of like bogged down or um just you know consumed by like small petty dramas in their life why they're in this beautiful um you know luxurious vacation setting um and it's good it's not as funny as succession but um i think it's doing some interesting things and it also had this is not a spoiler it has a someone's gonna die uh framing device set up where they do like a the first episode is like flashing forward a week like later and they're like a body has been removed from the resort or (laughs) whatever so you're like someone's gonna die and you don't know who while you're watching but it's got you know uh connie Britton, who i love from friday night lights and jake lacy and a bunch of oh and um uh what's shit what is her name oh hi uh oh wow uh jennifer coolidge uh (laughs) and yeah i've been enjoying it uh the other thing i watched on netflix 
this past week was, uh, I haven't finished it, but the uh, Naomi Osaka documentary by Garrett Bradley. I really love Garrett Bradley as a director, and this is such a perfect pairing of subject and director. Um, I think something that Garrett Bradley does really, really well is kind of show people at rest and show people in moments of like real stillness that um, kind of give away something about their character. Uh, and it's a really like timely portrait of Naomi Osaka as a athlete at the top of her game. And I, even though I'm not a sports person, I do think I do find like athletes very interesting. You know, they're these people who are like extremely gifted at doing something like highly specialized with their body. They're kind of are even the most successful ones, like running against a time, like a ticking clock, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I, I find her very interesting and uh, tennis is fun to watch, uh, too. Yeah. Um, so I really recommend it. And also Garrett Bradley just announced this week, she's going to adapt, uh, the parable of the sower for, uh, a 24, which is very exciting. That's so awesome. Another good <laughs> pairing of director and content. So yeah, very exciting. Very cool. Um, love following along with her career. Uh, the third thing I'm going to recommend this week is a book I read by Sarah Sentiels called Stranger Care. And she is a writer who I think has like an advanced degree in theology. Um, and this is a book. This is like her third or fourth book. And it's about um, her journey as a fo- becoming a foster mother. Um, and I had a lot of complicated feelings reading it. On one hand, her story really moved me and I cried a lot and it made me really sad to read. On the other hand, it's kind of this story about a woman becoming increasingly aware of how she's complicit with the foster care system and how there's really no ethical way to claim a child that's not biologically yours. Um, especially when the government is involved uh, and the foster care system just punishes poor people and black people and native people so disproportionately. Um, and since the book is about her struggle, like she wants to adopt, she wants to foster to adopt and she gets a, a baby placed in her house and falls in love with the baby, obviously. And then kind of like learns to love the baby's biological mother as well, while still wishing the entire time that she can keep the baby in some capacity. And I was like, I did kind of bristle at times because I feel like she does some things where she is like trying to highlight a class difference between her and the biological mother in a way that is not necessary or like really decent of her to do. It feels like she's trying to like woo you to her side. Like at one point she mentions, Mm -hmm. she asks the biological mom lives two hours away. So they have to like drive back and forth for visits. And Sarah asks the biological mom, like, what do you do in the car? Like, do you listen to podcasts? And she's like, I don't know what a podcast is. And like, including that anecdote to me says like, it's this weird value judgment somehow that this person not knowing what a podcast is, is like, I mean, I think, I think the anecdote was intended to like point out, um, like the education difference between the two families, but mm. I didn't think, I thought it was just kind of petty. Anyway, I still really yeah. liked the book a lot and it made me think a lot how I want to read more about the foster care system, about adoption systems, um, about a, books written by adoptees and former foster care children. Uh, so if anyone knows of any books like that, I am very interested in this topic. <laughs> 
Uh, cool. Yeah, very cool. Let's jump into our M. Night-themed episode, a director with many ups and downs and twists. <laughs> okay, the first movie we're talking about is The Visit from 2015. When 15-year-old Becca decides to make a film about her mother's fractured relationship with her grandparents, she expects it to be a reflective documentary about family dynamics. What it warps into instead is a found footage nightmare with Becca and her brother as directors. Their grandparents are strange, even for old people. Ooh, old people. (laughs) (laughs) Mackenzie, first off, what is your favorite M. Night movie? Um, whoa, I didn't think of this. Um... Or, like, what are the good ones and what are the ones you're like, what, no... I well, I guess I don't have like a favorite. Um, I you know, Sixth Sense is good. I like Signs. I do like Signs. Um, I liked The Visit. I hated Lady of the Water. Even I hated it too. Like a child, (laughs) when I saw it, I was like, "This is bad." (laughs) (laughs) I had taste even then. Um, Uh. Avatar is obviously terrible. Mm-hmm. Unbreakable, I like. Split, I you know. Split, I unsplit. Like it. Yeah, it was I fine. I haven't seen Glass. Uh, I haven't seen Glass either. I started it and I was just kind of like, I liked Unbreakable so much that I was sad to kind of see a continuation of Bruce Willis's character in mm-hmm. like a prop. I don't know, in like a franchise way. Mm. Yeah. So he's really known for like a varying degree of quality, which I think Mm -hmm. is really interesting and almost exciting about him. Yeah. Um, Yeah, I think so. And he's distinct in that he is not like, he's not like a Christopher Nolan or even a David Fincher because he's not making like highbrow stuff, you know? Mm -hmm. He's making like, and I'm not saying this as a judgment, it's like kind of like middle brow, um, at least his most recent stuff, like, Mm -hmm. entertainment that's not attached to like mega franchises and he has like a really unique spot doing that yeah Yeah. i think yeah it is really unique um because i don't think he's he's also not like tied to a specific Mm -hmm. genre i feel like yeah even after the sixth sense is one of like the most iconic horror movies yeah even though i don't i would yeah if i would call it it a horror movie um but I feel like that's what I grew up thinking of it as because it was like this is one of the scariest mo- like mm-hmm. my I feel like that was like the the like the word on the street yeah was, yeah um but I feel like he does have like themes that mm-hmm. relate to more of like him and his interests rather than like genres I mm-hmm. guess mm-hmm. like his interest in like superheroes um and like probably like age and stuff and um, family like, like yeah he has a very bit of a like a spielbergian streak where i think he's really in interested in like single parents and like families kind of like breaking up um and like finding their way back together i think like this two movies we're going to talk about both have like single mothers in them you know who are kind of like at their wits end with their kids um in different ways so that's definitely like a, a thing he shares with steven spielberg um and I read an interview with him prepping for this uh, episode where he, he talks about how if he had been 
if he was a 29 year old director who did the sixth sense today and it racked up some Oscar nominations, his next movie would have been like Thor five, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So I appreciate him and I'm happy he's making movies and I'm happy he's back. Uh, I think even a, a director who's putting out some real misses is he's like fun to have around. It's cool that he keeps getting like big work. Like even if so, like, You'd think that after some of <laughs> more happening, yeah, some of the worst movies that he's uh, made, you know, he would like kind of. I guess, and I guess it sounds like he did sort of run out of money, yeah, at one point, and like put out a home or a loan against his house or whatever. But I think he's doing better now. Yeah, right. Yeah, I think so too. I mean, old. It's a like a COVID era box office, but it was the highest performer at the box office this past uh, since it was released. So yeah, right. and uh, this movie, The Visit, was kind of seen as his like return to form. Um, and like Mackenzie said, he had to finance it himself, uh, and it's kind of also a return to like his horror roots. I guess he's not a horror director, but he did The Sixth Sense. Um, right. And it, it let's get into it. It's a found footage. Um, setup, which is so tricky to pull off. I feel like I'm really critical of these movies. Uh, and it's also kind of interesting to think that the Blair Witch came out the same year as the sixth sense, um, Mm. which to me, I think is like the best found footage movie. Um, I need to watch. I've never seen it. Oh, we should do it. Well, we have to do it. Uh, it's really, it's really fucking scary, but another good movie that I immediately drew a comparison to with this film is the taking of Deborah Logan which mm-hmm. has like a very similar plot and a same, the same format. And I like the taking yeah. of Deborah Logan a lot better. I feel, I'm not sure which one I like better, mm-hmm. but I do think that, um, the found, the use of found footage in this movie is, and I think you wrote this in the notes too, mm-hmm. is it's like, it's like too good to be believable yeah, to be kids. like a 15 year old found footage. Yeah. But I don't think that actually bothered me really. I was more, I felt like the found footage here was more like a plot device rather than like a stylistic choice mm-hmm. because it felt like, I feel like when we talked about the taking of Deborah Logan and paranormal activity, we, like we talked a lot about like voyeurism mm-hmm. and, and I don't think that was like at play no. here. I think it was just like, uh, I think it was just like a device. A de- yeah, exactly. A, a way for this, uh, character to be yeah characterized and a way to set up some scares. Like I feel like yeah, exactly. you, you yeah. can like revert for some found footage movies. You're like reverse engineering, engineering, like a, a scary moment you're like okay like what wouldn't it be crazy if they were underneath the house and this old lady was like crawling towards them you know yeah. and then they're like okay that could be a scene uh right. and and so on but um yeah and the the girl becca is very serious about directing and film and name drops a lot of people which is kind of like a little cutesy on the nose thing for m night and like you said he's a, i think he's he has some really interesting shots in a lot of his movie um, I put in our notes that he like, I don't think he invented, uh, making a shot of trees seem scary, but he does that really well in a lot of movies, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I feel maybe like evil dead did some of that. Oh but, yeah. Uh, yeah. True. 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 <laughs> but he, he, is, I, yeah, he, he is good at it. I think, um, mm-hmm. 
And some of the, like, I th- feel like the shot that, like, sticks out to me is where the kid, the boy, is filming his sister, and she's, like, in the middle of this country road, mm. and he, like, slow zooms into her face and sort of, like, off-center and mm-hmm. down the road a little bit, and it it you're like you're thinking like oh is there gonna be something behind her like at least that's what i thought i was like is it gonna zoom into like a monster behind her or something and i think that's sort of like this whole movie you're kind of like what is gonna happen you don't know i didn't know what was gonna happen like i didn't know if there were was gonna be something supernatural i didn't know if there Mm. was like a monster or like a demon Mm -hmm. or if it turns out they're just mentally ill people uh <laughs> he's famous for twists and this twist is that they're the wrong grandparents like the wrong trousers in yeah um wallace and gromit the wrong <laughs> grandparents <laughs> yeah i mean i didn't see it coming i have to say um but i guess it does so yeah this movie does like definitely play with your expectations i feel like which mm-hmm. is like kind of you know what, what it is what he's known for yeah i would say because of the sex sense i like hate being the plot hole person i think it's i when i was i was watching rewatching some scenes of the sixth sense today and i saw this one suggested video that was like uh everything that's wrong with the sixth sense in 10 minutes and i was like <laughs> i don't care because that movie like affects me emotionally and i think it's a good film i like don't mm-hmm. care that it's stupid that they don't realize he's a ghost. Uh, but right. in this movie, I feel like sometimes if you're, I don't know, I, the, the plot holes to me, like kind of annoyed me more. Um, and also I think kind of spoke to like the inconsistency and absurdity of making like mentally ill people, your horror movie villain, like the grandmother, the fake grandmother at one point gets seemingly intentionally gets batter all over the kids computer camera so they can't skype with their mom clearly and that Mm -hmm. seems like a deliberate act of tampering but then she Mm -hmm. doesn't care that they're filming her at all times just like stuff like that or that Catherine Hahn would allow her children to hang out with her parents who she hasn't seen in 15 years like I was like this is crazy yeah yeah I yeah I guess they didn't I guess stuff like that, it, that didn't bother me, I guess. Yeah. The plot hole stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess my ba- my biggest, like, problem with the movie, which is just sort of a question about, like, this genre, I guess, in general, is mm. just, like, when, yeah. <laughs> when will it not be okay yeah. to make movies that where, like, the mentally ill person is... Mm-hmm. <sighs> is the like killer you yeah. know um yeah. and like we did actually talk about this when we talked about split um mm-hmm. very early yeah. on because we were talking about did and how that's like a real disorder yeah. and like how it's not it doesn't make this person like a supernatural monster yeah you know yeah <laughs> and apparently the preliminary title for this movie was sundowning and sundowning mm-hmm. is like a real phenomena that happens to patients with dementia and i think it's Mm -hmm. like worth saying that like people with mental illnesses and like severe mental illnesses are more likely to be victims of violence than to perpetuate violence on other people um and i i like do think filmmakers have to be careful about that depiction of a very vulnerable group of people but in this movie they're 
not just crazy, they're violent and right. uh, kind of like a Hansel and Gretel vibe, want to kill the kids. Um, yeah. I do think, like, obviously in take- the taking of Deborah Logan, like, she has Alzheimer's and is also, like, the the villain, kind mm-hmm. of. But I think in that movie, it's, like... The supernatural. Probably, yeah. It's supernatural, and it's, like, uh, probably a little bit more, like, mm, like smart about the yeah. way it handles it. Because I, I do think... One of the things that I actually really like about this movie, The Visit, is how it... How it's kind of fun like funny and 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 really scary which i think like a lot of good horror movies are both Mm -hmm. um but it does when it comes to the grandparents being you know mentally ill Mm -hmm. the humor like it's it's not as like tender (laughs) yeah it's not tender towards them like at all definitely Uh, (laughs) definitely um and it's funny, they're kind of, like, a little self-aware of that. Like, Catherine Hahn says to the kids, like, I knew you would think they were weird because they're old, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I thought I thought the kids were cute. Um, did you recognize the boy from a movie we've done before? Yeah. Well, yes, and the girl. What Are they both from that movie? Yes. <laughs> they're both. Oh, my gosh. And that movie is called Better Watch Out, right? Yeah. Okay. It's a yeah. Christmas and episode. We, we did. That. We hated it. Okay. Wow. Okay. That's so crazy. I only recognized him. I guess her hair is different. Maybe they look really different. Like she, I think she looks a lot older. older. Yeah. I, at least I was just. Um, I don't. I don't actually know if that's. This is true. I just heard it on a different podcast. I'm talking about it. Oh, that is so funny. Um, so they teamed up again. They're like, uh, you know, Jennifer Lawrence <laughs> and Bradley Cooper reappearing in multiple films together that movie was okay yes it is her she does look older that was a really like a traumatizing film to watch yeah it's really bad (laughs) oh my god uh but they're cute in this uh and i liked uh, both of them i thought they had good chemistry together I do think his dialogue is a little weird sometimes oh it totally it's totally weird at one point the the brother is like Becca is blind. I'm going to do blah, blah, blah. And I was like, I, I just don't believe a 13-year-old boy, 13 13-year-old boy would talk like this. And I also feel like M. Night was trying to incorporate slang he had heard maybe like his right. kids say four years ago. Like, th- like yeah. don't swerve on me or something. Like, yeah. what are you <laughs> yeah. saying? And it did make sense also. Yeah. Like, I remember he was like, they were like, there, there's something scary in the basement. Our grandparents are throwing shade. Oh, I know. <laughs> so I, like, I know. That I like, that's, that's, that's not what that wrong. means. That's not what that means. Um, yeah. But it was funny. It was funny. Uh, yeah, I mean, I liked it, and I'm happy that he continue, continue making uh, little horror escapades. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I love Catherine Hahn, and I wish she had been in more of the film, but I guess this was in 2015 before the Hanassans. Yeah, you're right. Mm-hmm. I do think that one of the more interesting things about this movie is like the family dynamic. Mm. But it almost doesn't spend enough time with it or something. Like, I think it's yes. interesting that Catherine Hahn's like not the best mom. Uh, mm. And even though you, you like care about her as a character, 
I think at least I did. Mm-hmm. Um, and I really liked, like you said, I thought the brother and sister had really good chemistry. Um, I really liked uh, when he's sort of having a panic attack about mm, germs. germs. He's like yeah. has a um, fixation on like it, kind of like OCD. He mm. just is like like scared of germs mm-hmm. on his hands and it's like a thing that developed after their dad left mm-hmm. but the sister sort of like helps calm him down yeah, very understanding and I, I really i really liked that yeah like, part um yeah and i i agree with you like i feel like they could have i feel like at the very end of the movie they realized they had to address like latent issues with the dad Rather than it yeah. being, like, threaded pretty well throughout the entire movie. It was like, oh, right. now we have to have just conversations about dad and start wrapping up the right. grandparents being crazy. And it was, in, like, it was interesting. Like, yeah. she married her high school teacher. Yeah. and Or not, yeah, she married her high school teacher. Yeah. <laughs> and then, like, he left, left her, her yeah. parents. And I feel like there was just more that could have been. Yeah, totally. I mean, it was, like, the driving force behind the movie. Like, mm-hmm. Becca was trying to figure out what happened with her mom and her grandparents and that's like sort of the reason why she Mm -hmm. keeps interviewing the grandparents even though they keep getting weird she keeps trying to talk to the mom and like she calls it the elixir tries to get like the grandma to like apologize that she's like loves the Catherine Hans character but it almost it's almost like it drops it's not consistent throughout the movie. Yep. It's like it's it, it like plops it in uh, at certain points, and mm-hmm. it's just not like it would have been better if it was consistent. I think I agree, Mackenzie. Um, Want to jump into uh, one star reviews and then give our rating? Yeah, let's do it. Okay, cool. So the first one star review is. There is a scene in it where an elderly incontinent man slaps a diaper full of feces into a child's face, and I can't help feeling this is a metaphor for Shyamalan's career. He can't help producing this trash, but he chooses to slap it in our faces, and, like the child in the film, we all just stand there and take it. Seriously, no joke, worst film ever. That's rough. Yeah. Well, that was difficult to watch. <laughs> it was difficult to watch. It was really gross. I did like how cre- like. I shouldn't say crazy. I did like the disgusting, gross out. Yeah, thing. yeah. I liked the like vomit fountains. Oh, gross, I liked. Yeah. Uh, I like. I did like all the scary elements. You yeah. know, like I liked how the grandma was like crawling really fast. Yeah. She had a really good scary voice. She too. was scary. She looked a lot older than the grandpa. To me, maybe. Yeah, maybe it's yeah, sexism maybe. on my part. Uh, the second one star review this was from a deeply weird review I found on IMDB yeah I grew to like this is a one star review I grew to like the actors for instance the kids were very hopeful about life I did notice the girls started off looking more Swedish and then looked more German and seemed very attractive in this way I figured she looked serious usually because she was concentrating on her Swedish part or whatever it could be so just a weird (laughs) weird thing I found on the internet (laughs) Like, what does that even mean? I don't know. It's so weird. Uh, <laughs> all right. It's time to talk about The Sixth Sense. Well, oh, let's, no, rate let's rate it. I'm going to give this movie a five with love because I do love M. Night. And 
I think he made has made at least three really, really good movies. <laughs> um, I'm going to rate this a 5-2, um, even though I do think I liked it yeah. more than you. Mm-hmm. Um, 5 just feels right for my scale. <laughs> um, I, I thought it was fun and scary. So, boxes ticked. Yeah. <laughs> Our next movie is The Sixth Sense from 1999. Dr. Malcolm Crow is a renowned child psychologist with the accolades to prove it, but he's stumped by a child he can't seem to help, a nine-year-old boy named Cole who behaves strangely in school and at home. Cole's problem is one that Dr. Crow has encountered before. Ghosts follow <laughs> Ghost follow him wherever he goes. You know, my high school drama teacher used to give me a note all the time, which is that I have a sing-songy voice and that I say things like every like line sounds the same. And maybe I wrote that in a sing-songy way. <laughs> no, I definitely said it that way, I feel like. Yeah. Maybe I have a sing-songy maybe voice. Maybe we both do. Uh, I think people do when reading out loud. Yeah. Yeah, Mrs. Kohei. I'm going to say her name <laughs> on the podcast. Uh <laughs> I've it, obviously that piece of criticism has stuck with me for ten years. So, <laughs> and it's not even that mean. Ah, <laughs> uh, okay. I love the Sixth Sense, and this movie really affects me very emotionally. The last time I watched it, I don't know. I'm not trying to play into stereotypes, but I think perhaps it was a time during my cycle where I'm more prone to be emotional. But I cried from start to finish. Wow. Yeah. I I wouldn't say I love The Sixth Sense, but mm. I do enjoy it, um, and I think it's a really good movie. Yeah. Um, starring Haley Joel Osment uh, as Cole, who I think is pretty good for a kid actor, and I really don't like very many of them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he is really good in this role. Um, I wrote in our notes that his performance to me reminds me so much of um, childhood victims of sexual abuse. Uh, just that he is this young kid who has this secret, which is like abuse in his life, basically. Um, But that he has to keep it a secret or he's worried, he's fearful that it will make his loved ones think differently of him. And he has to like carry that around with him all the time. Um, I don't think that's an accident. I feel like that is part of the movie almost Mm -hmm. that you think you're not sure Mm -hmm. what is happening to him. Yeah. You know, I think at parts, I mean, he has like marks on his body and I think it's Mm -hmm. at at times you're wondering if it's from his mom or you're wondering if it's from bullies, you know, Mm -hmm. you know, you you don't really know, which it's, this movie, it does have like two twists, Mm -hmm. but I, well, from what I've heard, the first twist the I see dead people it was revealed like in the trailer and, like, yeah marketing yeah. materials <laughs> even though it is like a twist and it goes pretty long without knowing yeah without knowing what's wrong with Cole yeah yeah um and then the big one is that Bruce Willis has been dead most like 90% of the film yeah. um and people in the one star review section of IMDb hate that movie hate this movie for that reason <laughs> they're like this is so stupid how did he not notice he was dead how did he have conversations with his wife and I'm like did you watch the movie they're not having conversations he is yeah also like have you died yeah you know how it works? yeah like who like it's, and, you know <laughs> like, yeah and it's just like these he's 
he's unable to connect with his wife before he died too. Um, and I think those scenes are, are really well done that even so like when you know the twist like the movie is like interesting to watch rewatch it doesn't like lose value because the secret has been revealed and I think this is a career best this and Unbreakable are like a career best performance from Bruce Willis mm. I just love when a big beefy guy yeah makes me cry <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah yeah no I think he it, it's movies like this where you're like he can really he has the range he, d- he does like, have the he range can do he can be like a tender man mm. and he can also be an action guy like, john yeah. mcclain yeah. yeah and uh 28 year old or i'm sorry 27 year old 28 27 year old tony collette in this movie uh wearing a wig oh. the whole time uh not her hair oh, wow. yeah she had shaved her head apparently when she came into audition uh, which is kind of cool. Um, yeah. And she is what gets me, this whole movie. Uh, her yeah. performance. I think she's probably the best part. She's the best part. She's maybe in like a total of maybe like 15 or 20 minutes, um, maybe more, but she's a single mom who's raising coal. And she, you know, it says at one point she's working two jobs. And it's the way that she loves her son in this film that is like so powerful and um, compelling to me. Like I think of, she's really almost like doing everything right and everything that she can at one point, uh, Cole, she there, he's eating breakfast and she walks out of the room. And when she comes back, a ghost has opened up every cabinet in the room, like impossible. It would have been impossibly fast for Cole to do. And she's like looking around, like really befuddled. And Cole says like, what are you thinking? Mama, are you thinking there's something wrong with me? And she like gets down directly on his level and goes, look at my face. I would never think that about you. And yeah. it's just like what a kid needs to hear, like told exactly how yeah. they would need to hear it. And the scene in the car, uh, yeah. which if you want her to laugh too, look up John Early is like Tony Collette's biggest fan. And when he was a young gay boy growing up in the Midwest or something, he had a Tony Collette fan page <laughs> online, like, like a, like a webpage, you know, where you had to like just one page you could like buy. Yeah. <laughs> and he talks about that on some late night show and he does an, like the whole car scene. Uh, from memory oh wow yeah <laughs> it, it is so good. it's such a good scene it's really good she's amazing in it she got nominated yeah. for an oscar yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah so young so young but believable we talked about this when we saw each other yesterday right. normally i hate when actresses are cast too young to be moms but i think in this case it tracks that she would have a she'd be like a young mom right yeah i think so too especially because it's not just that Cole's an outsider with like the other kids. I think she's an outsider with the other parents the other moms too. too. Yeah, you're right. Not just probably probably because of like maybe her age, but also class. Her class. Mm-hmm. That's a good point. Like the birthday party scenes and stuff. Um, yeah. You texted me while you were watching this that you were surprised by how few ghosts there are. I guess I was just it. It goes a long time mm-hmm. before you get to a ghost. Yeah, and I wanted more dead people it's really Um, not that scary too yeah it's really not um i yeah i just i guess i just wish there was more dead people yeah maybe that's just a mood that i was in though Mm -hmm. like i wanted you know yeah action it's really not a horror movie it's just like a drama with ghosts in it um yeah and uh, Cole kind of figures out throughout the film too that the ghosts all want something from him 
and that he can kind of like choose to be helpful to them. Um, yeah. And the main sequence about that is uh, he meets a young girl ghost played by Misha Barton who uh, has been poisoned to death by her mom. And I feel like that really stuck to like really affected me as a kid too. the mom poisoning yeah. the daughter. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. That really fucked me up. <laughs> I actually have a memory of someone describing that whole scene to me and me being like, oh my God, what? <laughs> uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. I was listening to film spotting <laughs> about this movie and they were like, that scene is the part that aged the worst for them. I guess they just, I don't know if I agree. I felt like they were just like, it's like, they felt like icky about like, uh, like being in him them going into like the girl's room and like all the mm-hmm. and like all that stuff and i don't know i think i liked that part i thought well because i thought the more interesting parts of the movie for me were when he is like talking to the ghost so i i did like that part yeah i like that too and um I saw, I don't know why I'm interacting and directing my comments so much at uh, Angry People on IMDb, but I saw one person say, like, this movie loses all of its tension once it's said that the ghosts don't want to hurt Cole, they just want help. But I was like, the ghost, some of the ghosts do hurt Cole and want to hurt, like the yeah. ghosts in the attic, um, you know, right. or, or maybe not intentionally hurt him, but they're hurting, they're frightening him and making him right. live a life of fear. Uh Yeah. And that twist with uh, uh, Bruce Willis at the end of the movie is kind of, it's like a very melancholy note to end on. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's. I feel like overall it's a, a very, it's like a sad movie, mm-hmm. you know. I don't think, I mean, it, the happy, uh, yeah. <laughs> the happy ending, I guess, is that he's able, Cole's able to, like, talk to his, his mom. mom about. Mm-hmm. Um, seeing dead people, but it, even that, it's not like happy. It's just like uh, health, healthy for yeah, him. Yeah, like any child with a secret, you know, like that. Yeah. Um, do you think M Night is aiming to put Cole as an adult who's like a super powered ghost talker in the sequel to Glass and Split and Unbreakable? <laughs> I did think about that because. Uh, <gasps> It is sort of like a superhero origin story where he's like, because he's kind of a superhero to the ghosts. Yeah, he is. Uh, I watched a little bit of The Boys with my dad and Haley Joel Osment pops up as this like washed up, like all of the superheroes like were either on like, they're either on the main team, I forget their name, the seven or something, or like some of them came from like the teen Avengers. They're called like the A-team or something. And he Uh is a... His power is he can touch someone and read their thoughts. And he had his own TV show. So he's also like a washed up former teen actor. Uh, okay. And it's kind of like a similar, it's like a nod almost to this movie. Um, yeah. But he, he's still he's still working. He was on Silicon Valley as well. That. Yeah, he's he's been doing stuff. Um, Google him. And I think he kind of like took, you know, his, oh my gosh, he was in, the last thing I remember watching him in when he was a young man was this movie with Robert Duvall where he like lived on a farm with two old men and they had like a tiger and airplanes. Mm. I'm going to figure out the name of that movie later. (laughs) But uh, I forgot where I was going with that. 
Oh, oh that that's he, one of the like threads that. Mm-hmm. Sorry, you go. No, it's okay. Just that I think maybe they'll try to get him in another movie. <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's like that's one of the things I think that does tie together M Night's movies, sort of, which is this like mm-hmm. um, like a superpower type thing from like a tragedy yeah and i think and like an unconventional mm, hero that's type so true thing. i yeah. think that's sort of mm-hmm. and that's kind of that i mean and not in the way where it's like this is a superhero but they're like a, a special person yeah 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 <laughs> like like all the like it's so that is so common now yeah. i think it's just like a it's like oh this person is just I don't know. Or, or like in, in Split where Anya Taylor-Joy is like a victim of sexual abuse and right. James McAvoy is like, it makes you special. It makes you strong. Right. Yeah. But also something that ties them all together is the Philadelphia setting, which is, we haven't yes. talked about. Yeah. Did you, the Bruce Willis's house is like within walking distance of us. Oh, really? Yeah. Where they filmed his uh, little row house. It's a nice house. It's like south of Center City. Um, yeah, okay. it is nice. It's huge. Yeah. I was like, where in Philly is this? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I looked up some of the other locations. I swore. I was like, that's our Acme. That's our Acme. But it's in, it's like north, north, way north. Uh, oh, okay. Somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, that's it. Uh, but apparently a lot of the other shots, like the school and the church they go to are like pretty recognizable Philly settings. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mackenzie, any last thoughts about The Sixth Sense before we jump to some pretty incoherent one-star reviews. <laughs> I think I'm good. Okay. I don't think. I'll start this party off with I see morons and imbeciles. <laughs> um, the second one is in all caps, just to preface that. This movie stinks. It isn't a thriller. It isn't suspenseful. It's just plain boring. A lot of feelings. The third review is, this movie was so terribly boring, it's not even funny. I knew from the start this was going to be bad. It's the same thing over and over. I see dead people. And what's your point? We knew that from the trailers. This piece of crap movie is such a piece of crap. <laughs> some movies aren't just are not for some people. I feel like I would have liked the movie more if I had been surprised by the supernatural mm, But thing. it was truly, like, culturally everywhere. You know, right? Yeah. yeah, like I wish I had gone into this thinking, "Oh, this is a family drama." <laughs> yeah, Dude. and then yeah. I would have been like, "Ooh, ghosts!" Yeah, yeah, yeah. Instead, I'm thinking of it like, like it had been like hyped in childhood. Mm. Yeah, because I hadn't, I hadn't seen this movie until I was an adult. This is my second time watching oh, wow, it, okay. but I hadn't seen it until like I knew a bunch about it, and it was like just in my head as like very scary mm-hmm. for one i don't know why that was in my head as a thing and and so i was thinking about it differently I, yeah i'm well. thinking about how in the the village adrian brody's character is like something is off yeah. with him and then he yeah. is also like the villain <laughs> spoiler like oh, no. m night kind of problematic streak with mentally ill people in his movies <laughs> yeah and higher oh, that's not yeah, great not great <laughs> something to think about <laughs> yeah um i'm gonna rate this movie an eight i really love this movie 
I don't know. It just gets me. There's something chemical about uh, yeah. Tony Collette in this movie that really elevates it for me. But mm-hmm. I'm going to rate it a six for mm-hmm. its six senses. Ooh, Ooh she's funny. Uh-huh. <laughs> I, I, I do like this movie. And I think I just, this is a case where like my expectations like ruined it for me, I guess. And I can't like, because it is so twist heavy, I guess. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I can't recapture it the way I wish I could. Um, yeah. So, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm sure we'll be covering more M. Night movies. This was on our first, and it won't be our last. Okay. Chick Flicks is researched and written by Bridget Hovell and edited by Mackenzie Chapman. Many thanks to Tim Grieve Carlson for our music. Our next episode will air on August 30th, and you'll have to tune in to find out what it's about. <laughs> uh, you can follow Chick Flicks on Instagram and Twitter at Chick Flicks Pod and email us at Chick Flicks Podcast at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. Thank you.